how it lights my path, how it guides my way. Let's pray for Debs. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you for Debbie and all the preparation that she's uh, that she's made in bringing this word to us. Lord, we ask that you would come and fill her, Holy Spirit, fill her, so that uh, as she speaks to us, Lord, her words are anointed and come straight into our hearts and into our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us soft hearts and uh, just attention, Lord, to what it is you're saying to us. Lord, help us to respond as you want us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Liz. I hope you enjoyed that little um, story, that version of the story. And we are going to, in the next few minutes, we're going to take some top tips from the story we looked at today on the video. Tips for being faith-filled people. But first, I thought that I could encourage you all here um, by showing you some other tips that people have found helpful. And we're going to look here at Take a Break magazine. Now, I'm not going to ask for any confessions about those who might or might not read or have read Take a Break magazine. But apparently, one of the things Take a Break magazine likes to do is invite its readers to send in helpful tips that they have found particularly life-changing and encouraging. So I thought I would share those with you this morning, in case, in this afternoon, in case what I share, my top tips from the story, um, are not helpful enough, okay? So number one from the readers of Take a Break, top tip, here it is from Annette Coe in Manchester. She says, flatten the foil trays from pies and turn them into coasters. How helpful is that? I think pretty, pretty unhelpful, but maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, it's very attractive. Okay, top tip number two. <clears throat> this one's from Sally Court in Norfolk, my particular favorite. Used tea bags make great hand warmers. Put one in a sandwich bag and tie it shut. <laughs> Anyone here want to take on that top tip? <laughs> this lady really does it. She's taken a photo and sent it in. Okay. And finally, top tip number three, another great one. A brilliant idea, says take a break, from Frances Rutherford in Dorset. She says, my umbrella snapped on a windy day, so I stripped the material off it and turned it into an error for small clothes items. <laughs> so she hung her husband's pants on the broken umbrella. I think, how helpful are these tips? No, no, anyone going to put any of them into practice? Who's going to try the tip? Which one are you going to try? Every single one of them. Thank you. Brilliant. Okay, well, I just thought I'd show you those to say the tips we're going to think about are nothing like those tips. Um, but I hope that you've been enjoying the series that we've been doing throughout August, where we've been thinking about Jesus saying, you people of little faith. Have you noticed that? 
That's been our theme. We've been thinking about the times when Jesus said to his followers and his disciples, you of little faith. And it's kind of a challenge to us, isn't it? It's a challenge to us as followers of Jesus that he is looking for people who are willing to get their faith growing, who are determined to grow, who are not satisfied to be a people with just little faith. And I think that this term, when Jesus says it to his disciples, you of little faith, I think when he says it, that he's saying it in a kind of an affectionate sort of way. Almost sounds like a little nickname. In the Greek, it's one word, um, uh, uh, something like oligos pistos or something, but it's one word, little faith. Yeah, And it's a special term that Jesus has when he wants to goad his disciples. He wants to nudge them and spur them on and say, come on, guys, you can grow, grow, grow in your faith. And he wants that for you and he wants that for me here this afternoon. It's not so that we as faith-filled people can be all kind of bullshit and arrogant and gung-ho and like, nothing can touch me, I'm totally fine. Sometimes we have that picture of what it means to be faith-filled. We think that it's about that. That's nothing to do with being faith-filled. That's all the wrong idea. We want to be a faith-filled people so that... We can please God. Did you know that the Bible says, Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Did you know that? Without faith, it's impossible to bring joy to the Lord's heart, to please him. He's looking for people who will fill him with joy and pleasure because they're full of faith. And I want to be a person who's pleasing to God. Do you? I want to be that kind of person. And so I want to learn how to let my faith grow like Jesus nudges us to do. Because we need to be faith-filled so that we can get the work done that Jesus wants us to get done in this world, don't we? We're not going to get his works done if we've got no faith. And the time that you and I have got here on the earth, who knows how long it's going to be. But in that time, I want to be someone who gets some stuff done for Jesus, with him, who gets on with his kingdom work. And that's the kind of work that only gets done by faith. So I was reading the story that we looked at of Peter walking on the water. And I thought I would take out three top tips from the story. And in a minute, I'll get some of you to help me hold up. I've done a picture of each of the top tips so we can stick them up behind me and think about them and remember them. But they're going to relate to three important things that come up in the story. Three important themes, the themes of fear, of doubt, and of faith. Can you say that with me? The themes of fear and And exactly. So number one, let's think for a moment about fear in this story. Because fear is all over the story that we just heard, wasn't it? 
There is fear from beginning to end. The disciples were afraid, it says, as they tried to sail their boat through that storm in the middle of that huge lake. They were afraid. They were afraid, again, it says, when they saw Jesus appear walking to them on the water. They're convinced he's a ghost and they start screaming, according to the video. And they're terrified, it says in the Bible. And then again, Peter, he is afraid, isn't he, when he starts to sink. He's walking on the water, but then he notices again the storm and the wind and the waves. He looks around him and he's afraid. He begins to sink. He cries out to Jesus for help. The whole atmosphere around this story is one of fear. It even says in some of the versions that at the end, when they fall down and worship Jesus because he has calmed the storm and settled everything down, that they are fearful, that they're terrified. They're incredibly astounded by what Jesus was able to do. And fear is an environment where doubt can breed and multiply. And it is an environment where faith will fail. Fear is an environment where faith will fail. But did you notice that the one and only person who was not afraid in this story, well, who is it? It's Jesus himself. And I was thinking about that because Jesus had all the same reasons to be fearful, didn't he? He was the one who was walking on the water in the middle of a raging storm with no boat nearby to clamber onto. He came from the shore. He's the one who speaks to those disciples and says, take courage. Don't be afraid. And I wonder how he could say this with so much peace and so much confidence in the middle of that crazy, stormy situation. But I wonder if you noticed in that story, I think the key to that is in verse 23, if you're looking at the passage in front of you. But right at the beginning of the story, it tells us that Jesus had sent the disciples in the boat, but what did he go and do? Do you remember? He walked up the mountain, it says, to pray, to spend time with his father. And it says he spent many hours there because it was late on into the night by the time he meets the disciples on their boat journey. He'd spent that time with his heavenly father. And so I want to say to you this afternoon, of course, Jesus was not afraid because the father is full of perfect love. And the Bible tells us, John tells us in his letters, that it is perfect love that casts out fear. And he also tells us that there is no fear in love. And that time Jesus spent with his father, I believe it's important. Because do you think that the Son of God couldn't feel fear? I don't think that's true. I think he felt afraid. From time to time, I think he had the beginnings of fear. I think when he looked towards the cross and said, Father, please take that cup away from me. Seems too much for me. I think he felt some fear, but he knew how to deal with his fears. He came to his father. And in that place of speaking with his father and receiving the father's love, the fear in his life was dealt with. And there are many sorts of things, aren't there, that we can be afraid of. Why don't you take a moment now and just think about 
the fears in your life because we've all got them. The things that we feel afraid of. Because those are the things that will, in the end, they can stop us doing what Jesus wants us to do with our lives. Maybe it's the fear of failure. Maybe it's the fear of change or the unknown of the future. Maybe it's the fear of other people's opinions around us. Maybe it's the fear of losing things that we really, really care about. Whatever the fears are that we carry, they will in the end get in the way of us fulfilling God's purposes for us because they are an environment that sucks up faith. But you know, we can deal with them. We can bring our fears before our Father God and let him cast them out with his perfect love. And that's my first top tip for us today. So I don't know if there's a volunteer who wants to help me by sticking it on the wall. Anyone? Zoe, come on then. I want our first top tip to be this one. You hold it up so everyone can see. Let us give our fears to Father. I want to challenge us. Can we take some time? Talk to him about those things that have been making us afraid. Let him deal with them. You can stick it up there. So that we can become a people who are faith-filled. Maybe you've never even thought about talking to the Lord about those things you've been fearing. Bring it to the Father. But next, let's talk about the second theme. What did I say? Fear and doubt. Let's talk about doubt. Because Jesus said, that it was doubt that caused Peter to start sinking when he had stepped out of that boat and he had got onto the water. And I think, actually, that everybody who seeks to step out for Jesus in some way in your life, everybody is going to face doubt at some point in that journey. But, you know, we can be ready for it. We can be ready for the doubts when they come along so that we don't let them into our hearts. Because the trouble with doubt is once you let it in, once you open the door of your heart and you let the doubts get in, they're like a heavy lead weight in your soul, in your spirit, and they will cause you to sink just like they did with Peter. They will bring you down. They will pull you lower They will weigh you and be heavy in you. But you know, we don't have to let the doubt get in to weigh us down. We can be ready for that moment when it comes. Because I was thinking about Peter, and he started off really well in this story, didn't he? He steps out of that boat. He heard Jesus' command, yes, come, come to me. And he obeyed. And he got out of the boat and he started that walk on the water. He walked in that calling from Jesus. And for the first few steps, he's on that water. He's not sinking. He's being held up. But on the way, there was always going to come a point in that journey from the boat 
to Jesus, where he was headed, there was always going to be a point right in the middle somewhere. We don't quite know how far it was. But in the middle, there will be a moment where the security of the boat is now too far behind him out of reach. Yeah? And the security of Jesus' physical arms is too far ahead of him out of reach. That moment was always going to come if he's going to walk on that water. It's the moment in the middle where everything, even if you weren't relying on it before, everything you could have relied on is not there. It's out of reach. It's stripped away. And you are unsupported, seemingly, in the middle of that storm with nothing obvious to grab onto. So, of course, Peter was going to doubt, wasn't he? <laughs> of course, he was going to feel that moment of what is going on here. Wouldn't anybody feel doubt in that situation? He had nothing earthly, nothing human to lean on. And that was obvious to everybody who was looking at him. But it's that point, it's that moment that I want us to consider now as people who want to grow in faith, people who want to be a faith-filled people, consider that moment because anybody who steps out in obedience to Jesus and the things he's giving us to do is going to meet that moment on the journey. We're going to encounter it and we can be ready for it because of Peter. We can look at this story, we can take from it, we can be ready for it. And you know, many of us here, we know that moment already. It's familiar to us. What I'm describing is familiar, you know, and the doubts come and they start to assail you. All the doubts come rushing at you from all directions. Self-doubts, you know, what am I doing here? Can I actually even do this? Why did I even begin this journey? What possessed me to think that I could do it and manage it? Self-doubts. And then there are doubts in the call, doubts in the direction that we're taking. Well, did Jesus really want me to do this? Did he actually say, come in this direction? Did he really say that? Now it doesn't seem so sure as it did back in the boat. And then doubts in the outcome. Okay, if I sink right now, if I go under the waves Will anyone actually do anything or will they just let it happen? Will anyone come to my rescue? Will anybody pull me up again? Will anybody get me? Will anybody care? The doubts come thick and fast, don't they, in those moments. But you see, the faith-filled person has taken a tip from this story. We've learned, perhaps, not to open the door to those doubts, not to let them in with their sinking heaviness. Because the faith-filled person has their mind fixed on a different truth. A truth that is just as concrete as the waves and the wind and the storm, just as real, just as tangible, if not more so. The faith-filled person remembers that for the last few steps, they were walking on the water this far. 
And something that you couldn't see held them up and got them there. Maybe it wasn't a visible support like a boat or Jesus' arms or something as attention-grabbing as the wind and the waves that were crashing around him in that moment. But if Peter had kept his eyes on Jesus and just felt through his feet in that moment and just bounced a little bit, he'd have known, not in an airy-fairy, I wish it were true, I'm just being hopeful, cross my fingers, cross my heart and hope to die, and I think maybe, possibly, possibly, Jesus might possibly do, not like that, in a real, concrete, tangible way, if he kept his eyes on Jesus and just pushed and felt through his feet for a moment, he'd have known, he'd have known absolutely in a real and concrete way, that Jesus had got him that far. From the boat to the middle of the lake, the middle of the journey, he hadn't sunk. And if he got him that far, he's not going to leave him to sink and drown now. That is what the faithful person remembers when the doubts start to come. Why did I ever do this? Did Jesus really say it? Would he even save me if I did drown? They stop and they remember. There's been something under my feet up until now. I think it's going to keep holding me. I think Jesus has got me. Because you see, it's easy in that journey to look around in the moment, isn't it? To take your eyes off Jesus and fix them on the wrong things. Take in all the visible surroundings and think that these are the things that are going to keep you afloat. The boat or your friends or your gifts and abilities, your brilliant swimming prowess, your clever ideas, whatever it might be, your clever ways of making paper clips float on the water. But There'll come a point for all of us when those things desert us and that's when the doubts come knocking and that's when the faithful person needs to remember, I'm not going to let it in, I'm going to stay steadfast and declare this truth, that Jesus has brought me this far, he's not going to leave me now. So who wants to stick the second top tip up for me? Jacob, do you want to help me? Can you do it? That would be brilliant. Thank you. You've got to hold it up so we can all remember. Hold it up high, first of all, for everybody. That's it. He brought me this far. He's not going to fail me now. Let's stick that one up there. We deal with our fears. We give them to Father. We remember Jesus brought us this far. And that is how we deal with doubt. We don't let it in because we never made the mistake in the first place of believing we got this far by our own efforts and our own brilliance and our own talents and our own friends and our own support structures or brains or strength or whatever else it might have been, all the obvious things. We got here by the grace of God, by the unseen power of Jesus, flooding in, holding us up, the rock who is beneath our feet, who we've been singing about today. And that's all we need when all the other stuff has gone. He won't let us down halfway through the journey. And so, finally, third tip. And the last one has to do with faith. Fear, give them to Father. Doubt, remember, he's brought you this far. Faith. What do we want to say about faith? I really just want to point out very simply that Peter only sank 
in the water in this journey because he got out of the boat. It's simple, isn't it? And it's been said many times. But I want to remind us of that because that in itself was an incredible faith-filled act that he did. He didn't have to step out of the boat, did he? None of the other disciples did. They all stayed there in the boat. And Jesus didn't tell them all off afterwards that they didn't come wanting to walk on the water. But Peter, something inside him made him want to get out and walk on that water too. And ultimately, I think what it was that made him do that was he saw what Jesus was doing and he wanted in. I want to say that again. Peter saw what Jesus was doing and he wanted in. He knew enough about who Jesus was and is to understand that what Jesus is doing is something he wants us to do with him. That where Jesus is walking is somewhere he wants us to walk with him. That the works Jesus is performing are the kind of works he wants to see in our lives, pouring forth in what we're doing. He understood that Jesus had things that he wanted to do together with Peter. Peter understood that. So when he saw Jesus walking on the water, he thought, of course, Jesus wants me by his side right now because he understood something about who our God is. Our God is not a do-it-yourself God. He doesn't want to just do this universe without us. He doesn't want to just do stuff to us from a distance. He's not that kind of God. Sometimes we want him to be because it means we don't have to get out of the boat. But at the end of the day, it isn't him. It's not Jesus. And that's who Peter understood. He knew him. He knew his Lord. He knew his friend. He saw him at work doing something crazy and miraculous. And he thought, you know what? Jesus wants me right there alongside him. I better get out of this boat. And he started to walk. A faith-filled decision. And you know, God is still looking. Jesus is still looking for people who understand and know He wants us to work alongside him in our lives and in this world. He wants people who have got a bit of faith that say, you know what? If Jesus is going there, I want to go too. If Jesus is doing it, I want to put my hand in too and work together with him. So my final tip for being a faith-filled kind of people, who's going to stick the last one up for me? Any volunteers? Rosa or Liar, do you want to? Rosa? Yeah, come on then, Rosa. Can you hold up my final tip for everybody? That's the one. Hold it up big so people can see. Step out. Look and listen for where Jesus wants you to step out with him and step out. Okay, here we go. You can stick that on the wall wherever you like with those two, maybe there. Can you get there? There we go. Brill. Perfect. Thank you so much, Rosa. Three top tips. Hopefully more helpful than the take a break ones. (laughs) And we're going to respond just for a few minutes now. And as we do, we're going to listen to a song in a moment that I've asked Ian to play for us. You can listen in to the words. If it's not so much your style, that's fine. You can just leave it in the background. But what I want to invite us to do as this song is playing is I want us to think about these tips 
and take them seriously for ourselves because the Lord's looking to grow our faith here today. And maybe you want to bring some fears to Father in this few minutes as the song is playing. Just talk to him in your heart. Tell him, Lord, you know what? I'm scared about this and it's holding me back. It's tripping me up. Just bring it to him. Let him speak him. You may want to shut the door on some of those doubts. Maybe you've recognized some of those doubts that have been assailing you. And you just want to shut that door and say, I'm not going to be weighed down by these things. They're just going to make me heavy and make me sink. I'm not having them. (laughs) And you shut the door. Or maybe for you, maybe for the very first time even, You want to just say to Jesus, Jesus, where are you walking? Where do you want me to walk with you? Where do you want me to step out and and do something with you? Not just do my life over here and hope that you bless it, but do something with you. Where are you asking me, calling me to take a step? Maybe you just want to talk to him about that. Any of these responses, let's just do that for a moment. And if you want to, as we listen to the song... If you want to kind of capture your prayer or capture your response, you could take your little boat and write something on it, your declaration, your prayer, and uh, take it away with you. You don't have to, but if you want to capture what you're doing and saying with the Lord today, you might want to do that. Use the boat to help you. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to listen and respond. Lord Jesus, just pray now that you would be moving by your spirit as the song plays. And you'll help each of us to do some work with you in our hearts and prayers so that we might truly be people of bigger faith. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your name